The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Ling Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoit with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931 381 2663 or visit mtbj.net. Local high school sports and beyond. It's on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Six minutes past the 10 o'clock hour, and we are very fortunate to have Mo Patton on this show because he knows everybody, JP. He, he literally knows everybody. When you've been in the sports world and sports writing world for longer than your co-host has been alive, then... Uh, Yes, <laughs> gotta get him, jab him when I can. Uh, <laughs> then you, you you tend to to make some connections, and this morning we are pleased to be joined by Joe Rexroad of the Athletic and his own radio show in the mornings on one hundred two five The Game. Uh, wh- what was that face for, Mo? Oh, my, my computer made a noise and, and oh, surprised okay. me a little bit. Yeah. I was like, are you not happy that we have Joe Rexroad on the show? I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I'm ecstatic that we have Joe Rexroad on the show. No, <laughs> I, I'm not digging my computer making noises in the middle of a radio broadcast. But no, I'm, I am. If, if I were to ever put together a list of people that I had not worked with but wish I had, this guy would be at the top of it. Man, impressive words there from the Hall of Famer, Joe. Welcome in. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. That is uh, – well, I, I very much appreciate that, Mo. Thanks, thanks a lot. And, and likewise – and also likewise on the uh, often having uh, odd expressions because my technology does something that I'm not prepared for. So oh, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, share that too. <laughs> well, you know, we and in my case, probably part of it is because I have been writing longer than my co-host has been alive. You know, so technology, <laughs> technology sometimes tends to escape me, and so you know that's that that was one of those deals. But um, again, Joe, thanks for taking some time with us. I know you're busy as all get out, especially this time of year with everything that's going on. But we just kind of wanted to tap into your knowledge on whatever we could tap into your knowledge on well no thanks thanks for having me guys and uh it's great to be with you and yeah i don't know i i can tell you that i I don't know what's going to happen this weekend but but i am excited about it um i I wasn't big on the wasn't big on the seventh team in the in the playoffs really you know i think the nfl playoffs were perfect i hate the idea of a 17th game but we do get two triple headers the next two days, and I mean, hey, you, you got to like that. It's tough to argue with that. I kind of like the seventh team just because it makes the conference championship, the regular season conference championship, or the top seed, mean something in that they're the only ones that don't don't have a game this week. So anybody that they play will have played will have played a game obviously which was the case regardless but no one else gets that concession so i kind of like it from that standpoint 
Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, certainly if you're talking about those two things, um, I'll I'll take the seventh team or expanded playoffs all day over the 17th. I hate the 17th regular season game idea. Even, you know, all year we've been talking about Derrick Henry and what, what a – that Eric Dickerson record is still there. It's, it's, I think it's one of the great single-season records in sports. And we think of these NFL single-season performances, obviously, in the 16-game context. I mean, it's been since 1978 that they change it. And I, and I just I, – I hate, especially in this era where, you know, there's so much talk about more safety – and the NFL has obviously had to do a lot of things, you know, to try to pursue that. How how do you you know how do you uh, talk about that on one hand and then add another game on another? But regardless, that's that's off topic. But yeah, look, I, I, I'm okay with the seventh game. And, and gosh, in the AFC this year, guys, you got you know you look at uh, I mean the Titans have made it as nine and seven last couple of years in the 16 field, and this year you got 11 and five teams. Uh, that could have been left out. And a 10 six team that was left out. Right. So, um, it's, it's interesting when you consider this Baltimore, Tennessee game on Sunday, um, 12 noon on ESPN slash ABC, because you've got two trends kind of clashing. It's my understanding that in the postseason, when these two teams have met, the home team has never won, but, the Titans, I think, are five and one in wild card weekend games since um, since moving to Nashville. I think so. You know, something's got to give. Yeah, and it's just it's wild to think. Yeah, you know that that in, in this rivalry, and, and it, you know, obviously, I think the rivalry between these teams, at least, probably could never possibly match what it was when you had Ray Lewis and Eddie George, you know, sort of personifying the rivalry. But still, you know, it's been between the fan bases now, it's been a great rivalry um, with those four games. And the fact that the home team has never won is really interesting. But I did I, I did not know that. That's a very interesting stat there, Mo, on, on the wild card weekend. And I don't know what that says. Obviously, you got different eras, different players and all that. But um, I do feel like this is unlike three of those four games in the past between these teams, and I guess more like the one that the Titans won uh, at Baltimore, the other one, you know, uh, many years ago. This is this is more of a toss-up game. That's the thing is three of those four results were some level of shocking, right? Even though the Ravens end up winning the Super Bowl uh 21 years ago with that unbelievable team. I mean, the Titans were the one team. I mean, I think the Titans are your absolute runaway Super Bowl champs if they get past the Ravens there. If they get there. Um, yeah. yeah, if they get there. And then obviously last year, the Ravens as the one. Maybe maybe the one from 2009. Maybe that was a little bit of a paper tiger team with the Titans. Uh, you know, after that 10-0 start. But they had just beaten the Steelers in a big game too. So, um, this is not. This doesn't have. This won't have the shock value, you know, that some of those games had. And I, I'll be shocked, honestly, guys, if we don't get a, a really good game. That will be disappointing. I think we will have a good one, and I think we'll probably have the most offensively, uh, you know, offensively productive probably game ever between these teams in a in a postseason. Yeah, you know, when we talk about uh, this rivalry you think about 
the last two times these two teams have played, obviously the Titans have gotten the better of the Ravens, and I'm sure that Lamar Jackson is letting his team know that you know going three in a row against the Titans is is unacceptable. So he especially has to have a chip on his shoulder because the last two times out, he's not looked very good against the Titans. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because in last year's uh, playoff meeting, you know, obviously the shocking win for the Titans, he, he ends up with 508 yards from scrimmage, you know. <laughs> so even in this bad game, he, he ends up with big numbers. But a lot of that is in the second half and the Titans are – are just playing soft zone and, and, you know, just trying to, to run and hide. Um, but he didn't have a big game. He, they did a really good job because he ran for 143 in that game, uh, and he ripped up a few big ones. That game comes down to two fourth and one plays, you know, and John Harbaugh is like, of course we're going for it. This is the best rushing offense by far in the NFL, and the Titans get those huge stops. And then a couple turnovers, one of them, is a Lamar Jackson throw that just goes off his tight end's hands, and uh, I believe that's the one that Logan Ryan picked off. You know, so turnovers, big stop. Um, other than that, you know, the Ravens had some success, but in this last game in November, really good job, 51 yards rushing for Lamar Jackson, and then the Ravens are up 21-10, but they get the big mistake out of him, and I think that's a huge thing here Sunday is can you, can you get a turnover or two with this Titans defense along with obviously stopping the rushing attack. I'm not convinced the Titans, you know, are just going to go out there and do it again, even though they obviously have a pretty good formula. You still have to execute within that formula. And I do think that J.K. Dobbins, who had a good game in November, he had 15 for 70, but he's really come on now. Um, And he kind of reminds me of Jonathan Taylor with the Colts, rookie who's kind of finding his way and now really surging going into the playoffs. I mean, the Titans have got to, you know, and Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram too, but I think especially with Dobbins, you know, if the, if the Ravens can get some straight-ahead gap running game going along with the option stuff, it's just hard to deal with. We're speaking with Joe Rexroad from The Athletic, and Joe, you mentioned that you feel like this is probably going to be the most offensively explosive game of the weekend. For Tennessee, it almost has to be that does it not no doubt I mean you at this point you you basically if you're the Titans and of course you just focus on one matchup and and frankly I mean if you look at the other AFC teams I mean I think this broke pretty well for that Titans defense I mean they, they really match up poorly with teams that are high volume you know efficient passing teams I mean obviously when you have the the worst third down uh, opponent percentage success in NFL history, going back to when the stat, you know, started as an official stat in 1991, but the only team that's ever in that time allowed more than 50%. I mean, there are definitely worse matchups, but you still overall have to feel like in any matchup in these playoffs, your offense has to be, I don't want to say perfect, but it has to produce big numbers. And it can. It can produce those big numbers. You know, I think just defensively for the Titans, if they can, you know, mix in some stops, get a few punts in there. But again, the one thing that they have done in a lot of these wins, and the reason that they're eleven and five despite a bad defense, is they have been able to get the timely turnover. You know, sometimes it's a tip pass at the line. I mean, they they fooled Josh Allen 
a couple times and that big win over the Bills. So that's got to be it. The fact that the Titans are this bad on defense, but then also are tied for number one in the league at plus 11 in turnover margin, that's one of those stats that's hard to you know really figure out. But that's got to be part of this formula. It's just funny to me just how it's just taken for for – it's just a known fact. These guys are awful on defense. Yeah, and and they and, and they weren't a year ago, you know, with a lot of the yeah. same players. I think one of the stunning stats also is, you know, they, they needed four sacks at, at Houston Sunday to get to 19, which means they are only tied with the worst sack total for a playoff team. Um, but, like, the same personnel, basically, had 43 sacks last year, which – it's uh, that number seems big to me. Like, because what did we talk about going to last offseason? Got to find a pass rusher. Got to get. But Dean Pease schemed up a lot of sacks. You know, a lot of pressure, a lot of affecting the quarterback, and they just haven't. They haven't been able to do that nearly enough this year. So yeah, it's just at this point, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, especially like third long. That's where they've given it up so much this year again because quarterbacks can sit in there and sit and sit and wait and go to their fourth read and pick it up. And that's happened way too often. And it's, it's almost like when they get into third and long defensively, it's like when the Predators got on the power play a couple of years ago. You know, it's like you'd rather mm-hmm. not be in, like it's a favorable situation, but you'd rather not have it because you, know? you don't perform in it. But, hey, it is a new <laughs> season for these guys. And a lot of this game is like be physical and tackle and, and this this is assignment football, obviously, against the option. And so maybe in this kind of matchup, maybe they just maybe they just have a knack for performing in it and they can get a little bit of momentum Sunday. I sure hope so. You know, it's it's so funny that this is the only team I've ever cheered for that I was hoping for third and three instead of third and eight. But hey, <laughs> you know, it it it's it's amazing. And like you said, you know, against you you're hoping for an offensive shootout and you hope the the titans are able to to find some offense against the number two ranked scoring defense in the national football league by the way um so it's pretty impressive that the titans have been able to do what they have been able to do with such a poor defensive performance this year really excited about this game again that game is on ESPN slash ABC at noon on Sunday. And it will be a lot of fun to watch. And we're going to take a quick break right here. Joe, if you don't mind, you you mind sticking around for one more segment? Not at all. All right. We're going to get uh, Joe Rexrode back on the other side of a quick break here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stay tuned. We'll talk about some Tennessee volunteers. I'm Maurice Patton, joined by Chris Yao. We are Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, and we are coming to you live weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. with the most in-depth coverage of local high school sports and more. High school sports is what we do, but it's not all we do. That's right. If you want to hear our takes on the Titans, college football, local college sports, and anything else involving pop culture on Top 5 Tuesday or Wild and Wacky Wednesday, this is your spot. Again, it's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today from 9 to 11 weekdays on 101.7 FM WKOM. All 
Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant with you here as we approach the bottom of the hour. Still joined by the Athletics, Joe Rexroad. Also, if you want to hear all of Joe's thoughts, you can check him out on Robbie and Rexroad in the morning on 1025 The Game, 6 to 10. Yeah, but you have to stop listening at 9 so you can come back to our show. So There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't be having you taking all of our listeners, Joe. Sorry. That's fine. Well, the my, good thing my family is, would pick you. I, I th- the good thing is I don't think Joe and Robbie get a whole lot into high school stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. We, if you're we, listening to high, for so high school we, stuff, we you're definitely feeling us. Anyway. Oh man! Every once in a while, uh, I pump up Nolansville High, but yeah. you know, got to got to give the Knights credit where it's due, man. Right. So, hey, Joe, dipping into high school stuff for just a second, I don't know if you've seen Nolansville play, but um, their girls' team, Zach Pillar's daughter, Zoe, really good. Oh, absolutely. No, in fact, uh, for the Tennessean, I wrote about Zoe and Zach a couple years ago when she was a sophomore, and then obviously she had the knee injury and things like that, but um, they – She's terrific and just, you know, love the, it's the intensity and the, the fire that she plays with. And they've, they've got a really good thing. I have not been able to watch this season's team play yet. You know, obviously if it were normal times, that wouldn't be the case, but, uh, mm-hmm. but they've, they've done a really good job uh, with that program. And, and yeah, she's, uh, she's great. And of course, Zach, you know, if he's in a gym with a, if he is in a gym, I don't care how many people are in it. I don't care how loud those people are. You will know his thoughts on just about every play. So that's also entertaining in its own right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, um, appreciate you sticking around with us for a second segment, Joe. And, and in addition to your Titans duties, you um, do a lot with the University of Tennessee um, football in particular. And – They've got some interesting times going on up there right now. Oh, yes. Yeah, you, you can you can say that. Uh, and it seems like uh, they just can't get out of interesting times. You know, not the kind of interesting <laughs> they want, but it's a really weird situation. Um, you know, and, and some more kind of – it, it looks it looks worse for Jeremy Pruitt after – after yesterday, Mark Schlebaugh from ESPN with the story, you know, that officially that there's a hiring freeze. I mean, one of the things that I um, was looking for here in the last few weeks was, okay, let's see if Jeremy Pruitt actually fills either of those open assistant coach spots. Because if he does, that tells you that this investigation isn't jeopardizing his, his future employment with Tennessee. And the fact that, that it isn't, tells you that he's in absolute jeopardy. Um, and I'm not ready to sit here and say, no way Jeremy Pruitt's back next year, but this looks like a situation with, one, an investigation of some serious stuff, and two, the potential that his buyout, which right now, if they just fired him, they would owe him 12, about $12.8 million, that that number may be lower. 
uh, when it's all said and done, and they may be looking for a coach soon. Is is, is it almost too late to be looking for a coach? I mean, you're you're coming up on obviously the second signing day, and then spring practice is just around the corner. Or does it matter? Well, it's not ideal timing, but you know, some of that depends on you know who's out there. And the fact is, right now you've got Gus Malzahn looking for a home. You've got Tom Herman looking for a home. Uh, if he would be of interest. And look, everybody knows. I mean, Hugh Freeze has made it. I mean, Hugh Freeze does everything but tweet every day. I would love to be Tennessee's coach. So, doesn't matter what time of year it is, you you can get him. Um, the the funny thing with Hugh Freeze to me would be like if 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 it goes the way of Jeremy Pruitt is, you know, fired with cause is one thing, but even if it's a negotiated buyout that is negotiated down because of of these issues because of this investigation how would you then turn around and hire Hugh Freeze I I don't know other than (laughs) I guess I should say accepted that it's big time college football in the SEC and there's you know I mean there's stuff like that all the time but that's pretty extreme but yeah I mean the timing's not great other than you do have some good options out there um, that you could potentially have the quick fix Uh, you could I, I guess maybe potentially avoid the painful search like the last time around, that after all was said and done, you had a fired AD and you end up with Jeremy Pruitt. Like to me, if it goes this way and Jeremy Pruitt is going to lose his job here, I know some people are not big on Gus Malzahn and he, you know he was inconsistent and they, you know they Auburn ended up not being happy with him. But boy, that could be an incredible save. I feel like for Tennessee uh, because also there are some good staffers who are with him who are also free agents right now. He could bring Kevin Steele with him, potentially. Obviously, uh, Balls fans know Kevin Steele well. You're talking about a guy who's a very accomplished coordinator. So, I I mean, it's all speculation I, right now, but uh, any, I'm keeping an open mind on any outcome here, guys. <laughs> I would certainly be interested to see Gus Malzahn take Kevin Steele anywhere after the news that he was supposedly trying to Mm. Undercut him for the last three years. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that would be fair point. That would be interesting. Yeah, that is a good yeah. point. They got to be really good friends to survive what, the speculation that we saw <laughs> during that coaching search. No doubt. Well, when, when has there not been subterfuge around an Auburn football situation, though? Joe, my question is this, <laughs> and and maybe I'm being too logical for my own good, but Auburn gave. I guess here at some point here in the last few days, cut Guts Miles on a check for almost $11 million. He's got another $10 million coming. Why is he going anywhere? Yeah. No, that's a great point, and that's a good question. Now, you know, it, I think it's – I mean, it, it allows him to certainly be very choosy. Um, but when it comes down to it, if you're Gus Malzahn and you still want to coach more and you're 55 years old and you don't want to just, you know, go plunk down on a beach somewhere, what, what, why what would you not want to go? <laughs> well, yeah, hey, look, if I was them, I would, Hey, that's what, but I, I, that's what I would do. I mean, look, like I said, like if I was Arthur Smith, I also would just like be spending money right now and not, uh, you know, studying the Baltimore Ravens, you know, but, <clears throat> but I mean, if, if he's driven to be a coach, if he wants to do it, mm-hmm. This is a pretty good. This is a pretty good parachute, you know, because 
I just I don't see Gus Malzahn getting a top crust job at this point. But I but I could see him looking at Tennessee and saying, well, if A, B, and C is taken care of, I mean the resources are there, the fan base is there, the facilities are there, you know, to to challenge in the East. You know, if, if I do what I know I can do in building a program. Um, that's that's what's crazy. So, but, but, but you're right. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, like he he he's got to he can be super picky right now. At the least, that's what's crazy about the whole UT situation is the way people talk about it. Like they can never be good again. Like folks forget how long Alabama wandered in the wilderness between, you know, Stallings and and Saban, and and it just feels like to me. UT is one higher away from, I hate to use the phrase, but from being back. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that there's, no, I've heard some Tennessee fans say, you know, like we're right there with, uh, you know, whatever program you want to say. And I would say if you look at, and and I, I don't think that's true. I mean, if you look at this historical performance, I mean, the Fulmer years and, you know, the, the great end of majors, career and those former years, I mean, those were still, those were beyond sort of um, the norm, you know, over decades. Obviously, you have ups and downs based on your hires, but in general, I agree. I mean, if you're the right coach away, you got a lot of things in your favor here. This is still, to me, I don't know, top 12 job mm-hmm. in the country, something like that. That's pretty good. Now, are Florida and Georgia better jobs? Yes. And they're still on your side of, of the SEC. But, yeah, Tennessee should be handling everyone else in the East and should be competing with those two for champ to go to Atlanta and should have its share of trips to Atlanta. I mean, that's totally fair. Then from there, do you win the SEC? Do you win a national championship? You know, you've got to be extraordinary. Like you said, Mo, I mean, Alabama, all those advantages, all that history, all that tradition all those resources and bad coaching hires didn't and it didn't mean squat you know so that's the hard part and and, you know the hard part right now is um if you do end up moving on from Pruitt you know then do you get a hire of someone who could actually take it there or is it another band-aid hire and that's where and then you're just in the cycle again of two three four years and you start over got to get out of that cycle no doubt. And with what we're seeing now, obviously with the hiring freeze and assistant coaches not getting extended, some of whom have contracts ending at the end of this month, that has to mean that there's going to be a decision soon, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just that's the crazy thing is <laughs> you you are pressed right now for time in terms of all the things going on around a program. Again, you, you've got players leaving. You, you've got, um, you know, Ty Chandler in the portal and DeAndre Johnson in the portal. You knew you were losing quarterbacks. Although it also blows my mind, guys, that like you see like a Hendon Hooker uh, transfer in yesterday. And it's like, right. guy, have you have you looked at what's going on? Like you don't know who you're playing for next year. But, hey, I mean, the transfer portal is its own wild, wild west. But, yeah, there's so much urgency, but, you know, an investigation doesn't necessarily go on that kind of a timetable. 
if the and this is where you know, I mean this is where I feel for Tennessee fans. Like if you're a Tennessee fan right now, you're like, just tell us what the outcome is. Fire the guy. Yes, please. And if right, and if you're and if you're Tennessee and and, and this is, I mean, if there's, the financial implications here mean that much to you. And look, we're talking about a place that has reported forty million dollars shortfall, and it's like, well. Being able to fire him and pay him five million means a lot, rather than paying him thirteen. But in the meantime, what are you losing in the process? I mean, it's uh, it, it demands. I know that there was a, a UT you know spokesperson who kind of gave a statement, but other than that, and like the Fulmer, you know, statement about the bowl game, like yeah, we look forward to you know supporting Coach Pruitt in the spring. I mean, there hasn't been anything. This is where some leadership needs to step up here more and kind of tell people what's going on really soon at Tennessee. Um, Speak, and speaking it's, of former, it's a bad limbo. Speaking of former, if Pruitt's gone, is he gone as well? That's a great question. I've always thought that if, if Fulmer is – the thing is, Fulmer, look, it's his guy, right? He hired him, so usually that's how you think. You think of ADs and coaches tied together. But it's his guy in a bad spot. I mean, it's the best he could do at the end of that horrible coaching search. So, like, for Fulmer, I could see Fulmer be like, you know what, give me a chance at a full search and let me see what I can do. But if Fulmer is throwing all his support behind Pruitt, and you could see from the coaching perspective why he would, like, guys, it's year three. I mean, I mean he's a, he made the comparison to Johnny Major's early tenure with, with Tennessee. What if, what if people were that quick to give up back then, right? If, if he believes that and believes in Pruitt and then this is sort of being forced on him, then I could see, well, I, you know, or if it's taken out of his hands at all, why is, why does Philip Fulmer want to stick around to be a figurehead? I mean, I guess you could say to get paid, but I, I, I don't know that I buy that. So is he, is he forced out? I, boy, I, you know, this is where, you know, internal conversations, I just don't know what they are, but, um, I would think that Philip Fulmer, when you talk about someone, his legacy is always going to be as the coach at Tennessee and what he did at Tennessee. But I still think he's a guy who would want to have a crack at a hire that works. I, I was stunned at the major slash Pruitt comparison when it came out <laughs> for the fact that, you know, majors had Iowa state and Pitt under his belt and a national championship. Uh, yeah, where yeah. Pruitt was just coming out of the box, but not, I thought that was an interesting comparison there, to say the least. I almost thought it was a desperation comparison. But. Well, if you're comparing the first three years, Johnny Majors had a national championship and two head coaching hires under his belt, and Jeremy Pruitt had none, and yet here they are, basically equal. The problem for Jeremy Pruitt is that he turned around a really bad season last year and ends up beating Indiana, who's pretty good in a bowl game. And then you turn around this year and you go three and seven and you look awful doing it. You can't, I mean, you look like you're regressing instead of progressing. And even if Philip Fulmer did get a full hire, Joe, uh, you know, a full search, it wouldn't be this year. <laughs> Not if right. it starts in mid January. That's right. That's right. So, so, so if it's this year, it's got to be an emergency hire again. So that's why you throw your support behind Pruitt for one more year and say, guys, we got it. We, we have to get through this one more year. 
and see how it goes and and go from there. I, you can't, you you just can't. I I, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> but who am I and what do I know? <laughs> and there we go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a terrible situation. And you know, the, and the counter to that too is like, you may have a full search next year, and you still may not have the quality of candidates who just happen to be available now. You know. Uh, but I will say this in, in, in general terms, I think a big problem for Tennessee is that there is a perception in the coaching community that this place in particular does not have strong leadership from the top down is not all on the same page has more booster meddling than other places. Um, you got so much changing even at the chancellor and president level at, at Tennessee. And that kind of instability scares people off. Like, again, I go back to the last coaching search. Like, Jeff Brom from Purdue, that guy should have been walking to Tennessee, right? He should have been hitchhiking from Purdue to Tennessee. And yet he was scared away for whatever reason. And that that's a concern. So there's another argument in, in favor of holding off to, to not look like you're just – I mean, look, right now it looks like this is a coup – and, and they're trying to come up with this investigation to knock his buyout down. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's how some coaches are going to look at it. And that's why, going back to your point, Mo, on Gus Malzahn, like if I'm him and it gets to that, I'm asking a whole bunch of tough questions about what exactly <laughs> is going on internally in Tennessee. That was, that was actually the first thought that I had when that news came out, that somebody is setting Pruitt up. And I think that's what a lot of us thought. So it, it, it's unfortunate, and it is what it is. But Tennessee is a dumpster fire and has been for the last 10 years. So, I mean, whatever we got to do to burn it down and get and start building back up as, as a fan, I'm just saying. <laughs> Joe, yeah. thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate your time and uh, your insight into the Titans and Vols and whatnot. And, uh, of course, Tell folks how they can find you on Twitter and all of the other social medias. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, at Joe Rexroad on Twitter, um, theathletic.com, and, yeah, 102.5 in the mornings with, with Robbie. I'm Robbie Rexroad. It's been uh, great talking to you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your time.